Good morning, family. I hope you have had a great week. And thanks for joining us today on this long weekend that we finally get to experience. I was very excited to see in the Herald recently that the government was thinking about adding a new public holiday to increase the domestic tourism. And that sounded very agreeable to me. I'm actually recording this last week, just after Lucy's live stream has finished. Uh, as right now, I'll be away visiting family and friends in Auckland. So any current events that I might be referring to are probably not all that current at all. Anyway, today we finish our journey with Nehemiah and Ezra with our final theme, Rules and Orders. This theme runs throughout the rebuilding process in Ezra and Nehemiah. As the temple was being built, as God's people were trying to reestablish what it meant to be God's people, they ran into difficulty, and so they needed to reestablish the rules and orders of old. In Ezra 9, we read, The Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Egyptians. For the men of Israel have married women from these people and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy race has become polluted by these mixed marriages. Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. When I heard this, I tore my cloak and my shirt, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down utterly shocked. Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there utterly appalled until the time came for the evening sacrifice. We need to acknowledge and understand that this was a completely different time to what we live in now. I read this the other day and I thought, that sounds quite racist. But what we need to remember here is that these different groups of people are worshipping different gods. That's the issue. And as the Israelites try to reestablish what it means to be God's people, having their leaders, having their priests who have married into families that worship other gods is the problem. And following Ezra's prayer, we see a number of the Israelite people turn from their sinful and pagan practices and turn back to God. Thankfully today, I am not here to talk about pagan marriage practices in New Zealand. And I'm not too interested in making some new marriage rules for us. We have some good rules in New Zealand around marriage. We have some good policies about what marriage is provided to us by the Baptist Union. The reason we want to look at this scripture is because this intermarriage was something specific to the time and culture of Ezra and Nehemiah that needed addressing in order for the people to move forward and reclaim their place as God's people. They had let these ways of life that are opposed to God's design creep into their practices. And that, sadly, is still true of the church today. This time of COVID has given us a wonderful chance for a reset to seek God and have everything that we do on the table and ask him to show us what we need to pick up. So today, it might not be a fun service to sit through. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. It might be one that gets our first thumbs down rating on YouTube. 
But I imagine some of the things that Ezra was saying about intermarriage would have got a thumbs down as well. But what do you think? What do you think are some of the ways of life that have crept into our practices, into our lives, into our way of doing things that we need to highlight, we need to address, we need to repent of, and we need to leave in the past so we can move forward into the new future that God has for himself? I think one of the biggest causes for concern across the church of Aotearoa today is the way that we communicate. But I do want to start this one on a positive. This lockdown season, both Lucy and I have been quite surprised, quite touched at the amount of you who have emailed, texted, left YouTube comments that were positive, that were affirming, that were life-giving for each of us. It has been wonderful. But it's been such a contrast to what we've experienced pre-lockdown days when we would receive a handful of, of compliments, but we would also receive an avalanche of complaints. I really hope this doesn't mean that there's a flood of complaints that are coming when we all get back to church. Because the church, God's people, are meant to be people of encouragement. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This needs to be one of our new rules or orders, a way of life that is different to what we had before, one that is life-giving, not life-taking. New Zealand culture, it has enough in it that are going to pull us down, that are going to point out our faults and our weaknesses. And if we want to be countercultural, kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused, means we don't need to fall under this cultural practice, this way of life. We uphold God's way of life. So let's hold on to this one. Let's be people of encouragement. Let's go out of our way to show our appreciation. This is one way that we can positively communicate. But it would be pointless if we didn't stop the ways we negatively communicate. There are so many ways we communicate negatively. There are some obvious ones. Complaining about something without bringing any idea of solution. Complaining to people who have no ability to change the situation. Gossiping about something or someone we don't like. These three are actually really easy to deal with. Stop it! But there are other ways we negatively communicate when we don't engage with each other. Not communicating, not giving responses, not replying. That's a form of communication in itself. And it's probably the one that is most open to interpretation. I might not have replied because I was busy. I might not have replied because I'm apathetic. It, it might be because I'm self-centered. It might be because it could cause resentment. The list of things our human brains can come up with is so detrimental when we don't receive a reply. But it's also detrimental on the end of those who aren't communicating because nothing will change. I remember years ago, before... This bit of hair started turning gray before I needed to be in bed by 10 o'clock to be able to function the next day. Non-communication was one of the most horrific things. I'm texting Holly. I'm texting Holly back and forth uh, late into the night, and then the reply stops. What have I, what have I said? What, have, have I said something wrong? I scroll back through the text. What have, what have I done? And I would lie there panicking, 
worried and, and there's no reply coming. What's happened? Does she even still like me? Is she even still interested in being my friend? My head was playing tricks on me. The next morning, fairly early in the morning, my phone beeps. Sorry, I fell asleep. A whole night wasted of tossing and turning and worrying, all explained by the simple fact that it was late and she was tired. I wish my brain had clicked. My brain still hasn't clicked. Non-communication still frustrates me. In the two weeks since my last sermon, I was a bit frustrated with the lack of responses to the question, what is God saying about the identity of Ham South moving forward? There was, for the most part, silence. But we did have some brilliant answers from a handful of you that, because of my frustration at the non-communication, I overlooked. And so I want to share some of these with you now because I think they're brilliant. We have ideas about having the Sunday service focused toward non-Christians, having a community garden set up, teaching people how to make their own veggie garden and supplying them with the tools and equipment they need, helping our community apply for insulation grants or helping the community pay for the insulation uh, that the grant doesn't cover. We've had ideas about giving away firewood. We've had ideas about helping people get into counselling. The replies we had were so community-focused. It was brilliant. But what was even better, in my opinion, was that these replies were so focused on us being with the community and doing these things with the community rather than just doing them to the community or doing them for the community. Doing with is key as we move forward. And as God keeps reminding us that it is the community that we are in that he wants to push us further into and walk alongside and give hands up. We don't hear all these brilliant ideas when we don't communicate. Thank you. Thank you to the people, to the groups of people, to the families who have communicated that they hear what God is saying to them about how we move forward. If you want to be involved in these areas, please let us know as well. Because if this falls on just a small group of people to march forward into the community, this will all fall over. God has given us this church community to work together. To work together to reach the not yet church community. So let's keep our communication positive. Let's be encouraging. Let's be showing him through all of us. And all we do and all we say, show him to the community that doesn't yet know him. The other thing that I just want to mention that I think has crept in and needs to be addressed is fear. With so much going on in the world today, the, the pandemic, the economy, politics, uncertainty about the future, it is so easy to take our eyes off of the promises that God has made to us about our future being secure in Him. When our immediate lives that are happening in front of our eyes start changing to the negative, we can fixate on it and it becomes all-consuming. But we have promises. We have hope. We can have faith in the One who is over all and in all. Hebrews reminds us that God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you so that we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. In all the chaos 
that the world can throw at us. The Bible tells us, God tells us that he will never fail us or abandon us. He stands with us in the trial. He goes before us through the suffering and he holds us to the other side as he walks each of our steps with us, whether we choose to acknowledge him or not. Isaiah tells us, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up, for I am the Lord your God. God has these promises for us, for his church, but he wants these promises to be extended to those who are not in his church yet. He wants us to take the message of hope and love out your front door, down your garden path, 17 and a half meters to your left or right, up your neighbor's driveway into their front door. The community that we are in is going to have the same problems that we encounter. Job security may be gone. The economy getting worse. And that tends to affect people with less. As prices rise across the board, all of a sudden there'll be neighbors who are choosing between heating and eating. And let's be honest, how many of us in this church family are going to have that dilemma this winter? There is real fear out there, but God's church has the means to help and the hope to point to. Because God's economy doesn't work like our economy. In God's economy, if you get more, there is still the same amount of more for your neighbor. The promises that he has made for me and for you are not diminished by the population of his family growing. Yes, the world is scary. There is unknown out there. There is change. But God's people don't act out of fear. They act out of love, out of peace and patience. They act out of kindness and goodness and gentleness. They act for each other, for those with less, while never thinking that those with less equate to those who are less. We share hope, we share ourselves, we share our God, and we watch the increase of those things when those who don't know learn the hope of God and they move from fear to love. Let's be people who communicate well who encourage each other and live lives out of love, not of fear. Let's pray. God, as we reset our lives, help us find order in you. Help us to reestablish or establish what you are calling us to hold tightly and what you are calling us to let go of. Help us to communicate well with love at the forefront of all of our interactions with people. Remind us how to encourage and help us to accept encouragement from others. Remind us who you are and remind us who we are in you to help us hope, help us love, and to have an urgency to share who you are across the fence and across the street. Thank you for the plans you have for this church, for the people in this church and the people who are not yet part of your family in this place. Amen.